Edge. This is DJ Mad Max on air here, WSJU Radio, St. John's University, and we have a world-renowned artist, artistic genius, David Garibaldi. How you doing, man? Thank you so much. I, I appreciate the uh, the intro. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. I had to reach out to you. I was at the Kiss concert last week in Brooklyn, and yeah. I was surprised when, because people around were saying that they're who's the opening act, who's the opening band, because usually when you go to a concert, it's usually a band. But no, it's a Garibaldi Arts on the yeah. the screen, and. I wasn't sure what to expect and they announced you and you came out and you painted these paintings were just immaculate. Some of the greatest pieces of art I've ever seen in my life in such a fast time. And I was like, I got to reach out and I promoted your stuff on the Instagram page. I was like, people got to see this guy if they don't even know who you are already in which they should. And I really, it was really a great experience watching you open for Kiss because usually, like I said, when you go to a concert, it's an opening band. I went to my first concert at the Barclays Center was with Billy Joel, and their opening band was Ben Folds Five. And I, I can tell you wow. right now, you were way better than them. Wow, <laughs> that's awesome! <laughs> oh, Thank man. you. Thank you. It was it was just a delightful joy seeing you open for Kiss. You know, it's something different. Wh- I, w- I would love to hear your perspective on this, but I, I feel like people are sitting and watching because they're either going to be right that it's, that it doesn't work or they, they're going to be, you know, enthralled and entertained. And that moment between skepticism and belief is a really interesting feeling being on stage. But what was, I, I guess, what was that like as an audience member? Because I don't ever get to ask the audience that, you know, going from being super skeptical to this this is actually kind of cool it was it was very entertaining and you leave the viewers at the edge of their seat because you want to know what's going to be the outcome of your painting and your first painting that night was david bowie yeah oh yeah i was just like wow i've never seen anything like that before especially how expedient you are with the paintings which i'm going to ask you later but that's how yeah. it is as an audience member watching you, just leaving the viewers at the end of your seat. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Now, what was it like growing up in Los Angeles? Uh, actually, I was born in Los Angeles, but I eventually we moved to Sacramento when I was about five years old. So I, I really, my earlier years were in Sacramento. At the time, it wasn't um, a very, you know, wasn't a very like cultural city per se. Um, it was in the beginning stages of its development. And I would say it wasn't until about maybe 15 years ago that it actually, you know, really started changing. But, um, growing up, you know, I, my, both my parents worked quite a bit. My mom, I, I spent a lot of time in my mom's hair salon and those of you can't see me, I'm bald. So that's, there's a lot of irony in that. But, uh, you know, I just, I was around my parents who were pursuing their dreams. My dad was pursuing his entrepreneurial dreams. And my mom was pursuing her, you know, creative hair uh, passion. And I was just this young artist with two older, older siblings. And, um, you know, so I wouldn't say that necessarily Sacramento really had an influence on me until, I know this sounds kind of strange and you would know it if you knew the city, but it wasn't until I got to have some influence on the city and it was like in vice versa at the same mm-hmm. time. And that, again, that wasn't until, you know, around 10 plus years ago. 
Hmm. Now, what drew you to art and painting? It was something that was very natural to me. Uh, all kids growing up do some sort of art. And so you start to look side by side and you're like, well, mine looks different than theirs. And the <laughs> but everyone's creative at a young age. But then as you get older, I kept doing it and you see less and less people around you doing it. And if they did, I was like, wow, mine, mine still looks a little bit different or better, or more detail. <laughs> like I put more effort into it and I'm not that it's bad, but I put more effort into it. And then so on as the years go on. And so I can't remember not creating. It was something that I was natural and I was always drawn to and even more so continue to pursue even outside the classroom. Um, you know, music had a big influence on me as well. I played the trumpet growing up. So that musicality eventually played a role, but I would say, I think my first, when I remember my first like artistic passion that I chose to do was graffiti when I was in, really? you know, from sixth grade to, to high school, I was doing graffiti and uh, it was just something that uh, being a part of even hip hop culture and, um, and loving the music. And I loved all music. I and mean, even at the time I was into country music and, and when it wasn't cool, but, um, I also love hip hop and naturally being a creative into hip hop, you get into graffiti and, and I pursued that. So I would say that was probably my earliest memory of actually choosing an art form to do. Hmm. Now, where did you do graffiti? Was this in Sacramento? Uh, yeah, I won't name specifically so I don't get arrested. <laughs> I don't know the statute of limitations on graffiti. But yeah, it was uh, my friends and I, we would go out late at night. Uh, we would find rail yards. We would find, uh, you know, the back of warehouses that were connected to the trains. And we, we would find the trains. And we really paint on anything that was, you know, still long enough for, for us to get our, our name on. But, you know, for me, to be honest, I wasn't necessarily a tagger, which I would define that as someone just getting their name up uh, around town and a quick, speedy signature. I was really focused on to the letters, the colors, how I can stretch and manipulate these letters, and they can still be somewhat legible and still tell stories. So I was really into that. And uh, a lot of artists, you know, if you go online, look at artists like, there's an artist called, his name is Dame, D-A-I-M, he did these like three dimensional graffiti letters and like that's the stuff that I was into. So, um, you know, whatever was sitting still long enough for me to not get arrested. I was <laughs> painting on that. Oh man. It's really inspiring to people and especially the audience reaction at the Barclay center in which you mentioned before it became as natural, which it is natural. I'm sure you know that already. And I don't think there's, yeah, people in the audience, I don't think they've ever seen someone like you before the reactions. It's just, it's really just, you get to be in that experience to acknowledge what's happening. And it was just a once in a lifetime experience for me. And I appreciate the arts. And that's Thank why you. it was just a once in a lifetime experience for me. Cause I'm always expecting some band to come out, but I was like an yeah. artist. Wow. That's yeah. You don't see that. They usually send out some band. Yeah. You know, think about this. You know, you're there to go see Kiss, which is, you know, say 40 years or so mm. after they started. Um, and when they came out, they were an opening band and people thought that they, it, was, it was insane. Like it was crazy. And they didn't know what to make of it. And they were like, you know, disrupting rock and roll from the beginning. And people were just trying to make up 
Like, what is what are what is happening right now? They couldn't process it. And honestly, I feel like them doing this on their final end of the road tour to have someone like myself, and obviously we'll get into it later. But there's mm-hmm. definitely a bigger reason for it besides just having a painter randomly on there. Uh, we're doing it for another charitable aspect, which which we can talk about later. Oh, for sure. But, I wanted to get uh, into that too. Yeah, but you know they they can do whatever they want and what's cool is they really do take risks like this like having me and i'm forever grateful and also i forever like will put so much effort into making sure that the audience feels like they were really entertained when i leave the stage and it's not just a live painting experience it is a full-on you know art concert Per se. Oh no, the, the the viewers wanted more. Whereas when I was at the other concert, Ben Four Five, it was like get off the stage. <laughs> we wanted more. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's good. Well, there's definitely more to come. So that's, that's oh good man, I'm looking forward to it. And just to shout out your website, GaribaldiArts.com. Go check it out for upcoming shows and your shop. And I saw a Michael Jackson painting. It's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh. thank you, thank you. I love that one. Thank you. Now I want to get into this, and if you could explain performance arts to my listeners in case they are not familiar. I'd love to have you explain that to the audience. Yeah. So I do something that I call uh, performance painting. So I call performance painting because I try to make the art process uh, entertaining to an audience. So I create these large, let's just say six foot portraits of popular icons in minutes to music. So they're created in the length of a song and the portrait at the end is very distinctive, but along the way, I've got all these paints lined up on stage. I've got multiple brushes in my hands and I'm moving to the music. And at some point going to the mic, like a DJ would to hype up the audience and they sing along and, um, and even move at sometimes like a dancer, but I wouldn't call it dancing. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, you know, as opposed to live painting, which is something that's nothing wrong with it, but it's on the side. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just an art piece being created while music is playing the performance painting is really the, um, the center stage type of show and experience. Um, and you know, now what I present, what I presented on this tour are just the, the six foot portraits in other larger productions. I mean, and especially when I was on, uh, America's got talent, I was a finalist on that show. So we were on there mm-hmm. for five rounds and every single time it was completely different from a plexiglass painting to a 16 foot tall portrait. But again, all had to be entertaining, all had to look good in the end, and especially had to be done in time. And on that show, it was they all were all done in 90 seconds. So luckily, I get, you know, I give myself six minutes per painting normally. <laughs> but, um, you know, I just want to make sure that, again, the, the portrait looks great, entertaining to the audience, and it's done in an entertaining amount of time. It's just a masterpiece when it came out, too, especially the David Bowie and the Kiss one at the end that you've been doing at the end of every concert of the tour yes and i appreciate you explaining that to us now when did you start painting um well i started yeah i started uh, painting i actually didn't start until i was about 20 so honestly when i was in high school i was into animation and the thought of being a painter Mm -hmm. i was like that is the dumbest idea because you're just going to be this poor artist and struggle and i wasn't into painting enough at the time to struggle for it. So I didn't understand it. It wasn't until I was struggling at 20 and I was, I lost my car, lost my job. I was about to lose my apartment and I had to go 
think of something. So I went and started painting live at jazz clubs and nightclubs, and I would use the same layering and color techniques as I did in graffiti. And so a lot of the paintings were monochromatic, which means they were all different variations of one color, so different shades of, of blue or red or so on. And I just started teaching myself how to do it. Uh, but I would say this, because I was already pretty advanced, I, I got really good at it really quick, but um, I never looked back. I just, at 20 years old, started teaching myself painting with a uh, brush, paint and canvas, and I just, I would go paint every single day since then. And I'm, th- I'm 36 now, so. Wow. We're crazy. That's a dream come true. And just like the other greats, they say that the greats have to struggle before they cement their legacy. Like Michael Jordan, they told him that they couldn't, he couldn't play basketball. And he showed his high school coach. And just like you, you're showing the world yeah. now that you're one of the greatest. Yeah, and I and I you know we'll go back to what I said before, which was I didn't understand why someone would struggle to be an artist or a painter because I had not experienced it yet. I hadn't experienced mm-hmm. loving something so much that you would struggle for it. And so there were many years of struggle when I started, um, but I loved it and I was willing to struggle for it at that point because it was something I wanted to pursue. And so it took maybe four-ish years to create real true momentum where mm-hmm. it had a life of its own. It was, it was like going to, you know, university or to a vocational school, but I was doing it in the real world and just learning on, on the fly and, um, making mistakes, fixing them, learning from them and, um, just figuring out how to, how to bring this now what turned into from life painting to performance painting bring it to people instead of sitting around and, and waiting for someone to call me. Mm. And I think the viewers and your audiences love that. That's what they love. About I, yeah. I mean, um, I, I, would, I hope, you know, I'm just glad that we did because for example, I wouldn't be having this conversation with you if I had not pursued certain opportunities at a certain time. And I feel like, you know, maybe someone listening to this is a reason why they're sitting and listening to it. So I really believe in, following your gut instincts. And I feel like our lives and hopefully our lives will be a reflection of most of our gut instincts. And if, even if we made, you know, bad choices, mm-hmm. at least we've been able to, you know, curve those and learn from another gut feeling that says, Hey, we need to fix that and, and move on. So um, I'm just glad that, you know, the gut feelings led me here. Mm. Now, who were some of your favorite artists that inspired you? Yeah. Uh, so early on, obviously I got to give, you know, uh, credit where it's due. Denny Dent was the first rock and roll painter and he was artist. I remember I was out painting live and a friend of mine came up to me and he's like, actually my, my friend now I didn't know at the time. He's like, Hey, have you heard of this guy, Denny Dent? He's like a rock and roll painter. He throws paint on stage in front of audiences. It's like a wild man. And I'm like, that sounds ridiculous. <laughs> no, I haven't. And, uh, stop wasting my time. I'm a, I'm a live painter. This is, you know, I'm way more serious about this. And then, uh, he's like, well, I can help you with your website. If you need help, let me know. So I called him up, went to his place. I walked in, we're sitting there working on this website. And I look across the room and it was a painting, uh, of this Jimi Hendrix. It was all splattered and splash. And I was like, what is this masterpiece? But it was still very distinctive as well. Mm. So I asked him, you know, who's the artist? He's like, that's the guy I was telling you about. This is Denny Dent. And so I ended up starting to teach myself how to do that shortly after that. And, 
you know, that's how that, that's kind of how it all started. Interesting. And what were some of your first paintings? Um, you know, my first paintings were, I was, you know, one, I was mimicking what Denny Den had already done. So I was like, all right, he does rock and roll icons. So like my first paintings were like my icons, which were, you know, Run DMC, Notorious B.I.G. And, uh, and Tupac and, um, man, what else? Like anything like hip hop was my first. Yeah. I think at the time, like even Jay-Z and, um, Snoop Dogg, like just anything that was iconic with hip hop. And, uh, so I would, I would recreate those. Um, I, I would add to this, I think, you know, earlier I was saying about Danny Dan, another artist that also really inspired me early on was an artist, Ernie Barnes, who created this like neo mannerism style. But if you look up, you know, Marvin Gaye's album, there's, uh, this like image of like these people dancing on it. You know, he, he did the painting and that there's another, there was a show, I think in the seventies or eighties called good times. He did all the paintings, um, on that show as well. So it's a very like urban jazz figurative style. And, um, that was another artist that inspired me early on. So as I started painting, it was a mixture of sort of like music and movement and these iconic images that were, um, I started off, you know, with hip hop, but then eventually it was like Beethoven and I got into rock and roll and like Jimi Hendrix and I, Realize that I loved all music. Wow. Not a lot of people are very diverse like that. That's very interesting that you went from Tupac to Beethoven. That's insane. Yeah. Well, I think part of it too is I was already open-minded from playing uh, the trumpet early on in, in, uh, you know, from third grade on. So I wasn't afraid of anything like that. I had already been, you know, young and open to, whatever was presented to me. So I think unfortunately because we're not exposed to certain things at a young age or for whatever reasons, our parents aren't into it. We are somewhat limited until we have our own personal experience. And so fortunately I have my own personal experience to be inspired early on. And, and it was easy to go from Tupac to Beethoven. And I even would mash those up into like a remix at the time and, and try to do those in one show. And I thought, I thought that was, you know, that was really cool. Actually, I, I would love to do that now. <laughs> Thinking about it. <laughs> oh man, that'd be amazing. I'd love to see you paint Tupac live, especially Beethoven. Yeah. Um, I wish you did more of that night. Yeah. Oh, man. yeah, me, me too. Me too. Definitely more to come. Definitely more uh, to come. Yeah, I'll come. I'll come out to one of the shows if um, when you're in New York, I'll, I'll show up. I'll be there. Yes, we'll, we'll be back. We'll be back for sure. <laughs> now, what was the first tour you ever went on? Uh, my first tour, actually, a tour with Blue Band Group. In 2009, I believe. Mm -hmm. And no, I was not a blue man. I (laughs) I am bald, but I wasn't a blue man. But I was covered in paint. Uh, And that came through this agent that was booking me for private events at the time. Knew the promoter that was booking all these blue man group shows. And he said, hey, would you be interested in doing a tour of blue man group? I'm like, well, I've never done a tour, but I want the tour. And this is right up my alley. So... Um, especially because an act like mine had never toured before. And I'm just like, whatever hasn't been done, I want to do that. And uh, we ended up doing a, just like a 24 city tour with Blue Man Group through Canada. So we basically went from coast to coast in Canada and every big and small town in between. 
And uh, that was my first tour and really my only other tour besides the one I'm on now. The other shows, a lot of the other shows that we've done since then have been one-offs. You know, they've either been small like college tours that I've done on my own uh, with a handful of dates or they've been one-offs to open up for people from everyone from Sting to Snoop Dogg. Yeah, I was I was looking that up as a huge hip hop fan as well as you are. What was that experience like opening up for Snoop Dogg? Oh, it was it was what you would imagine, you know, the the, the herb smell backstage. Oh. <laughs> and uh and it was definitely a party. It was actually a Super Bowl party that we were both booked on and so I was opening up for him for that, but um so you know, you add that element to it and you know, it's just a, a very a very interesting audience to perform for them, but it was super fun and uh, definitely in the memory banks. Oh, for sure. That's a great accomplishment. Congratulations on that. You worked really hard for that. And if Thank anyone you. deserves it, it's you. Thank you. Thank and I've you. also read somewhere that you painted a picture of Mick Jagger at the rock and roll hall of fame. Yes. What was yeah. that experience so, like? Yeah. So we got invited I was like really early on in my career Again, when I started this, you know, things happened really fast, even though it was a slow rise to, you know, any form of success. Um, and there was this agent I was working with at the time, he uh, got a call from this event planner that was putting on something at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And so they asked me to come do that. So not only did I do a portrait of him, but also past greats like uh, Mick Jagger, I'm sorry, like um, Jimi Hendrix. And uh, I can't remember who else it was, but it was another rock and roll icon that wasn't alive. But um, yeah, you know, again, I just, that was a very iconic moment. Very cool. I'd say so. Wow. Now, you've been on tour all over the place. What would you say is one of the favorite places you've toured? Um. I've been able to travel everywhere besides Africa yet. And it's not because we haven't been invited just because uh, we would get invited and then we can't make it because we have a show booked somewhere else. So that probably will be my favorite. Uh, but for now, uh, we, I, we went to uh, Cuba for, I've been to Cuba twice now and I had the opportunity to perform and paint there while we were there. And that was probably one of the most interesting places because uh, it was right before they opened it up. So Obama was still in office and it was, uh, we got these, you know, visas to go, to go there and to go do what we did. And, um, you know, just to see this wonderment on their face from, you know, imagine how you felt at Barclays center, yeah. you know, you're in New York city, you're around Broadway constantly in entertainment. So you've really seen it all. Imagine seeing that and you haven't seen it all mm. so that becomes now like you know experiencing me do these performance paintings now becomes like a, a you know a pretty mind-blowing experience so we were we went around to several places in cuba in havana to do these performances and uh and that was one of the most memorable trips i've ever had i'll have to visit cuba then i'm going to put it on my bucket list sounds yes i, I recommend Everyone puts Cuba on there, um, especially if you can get in before it really truly opens up to the U.S. We can travel freely there, um, but it's worth going through the work if you have to get a visa. For sure. Everyone out there who's listening, definitely put that on your bucket list to go to Cuba. And you're still tuned yeah. in to WSJU Radio, St. John's University with DJ Mad Max. 
And David, a question I have for you, and you created many masterpieces. What is your favorite painting that you've made? Man, uh, I feel like I get asked one. this a lot. Yeah, I feel like I get asked this a lot, and it probably always changes. Mm-hmm. But right now, uh, I would say, you know, Einstein has been this sort of like universal connection, reaction from all over the world. Oh, yeah, I saw uh, that you know, one no on the website, yeah. Yeah, like no matter where I am, it's had this universal reaction. And also the cool thing about that painting is it doesn't even matter what music I'm playing. So for example, when you saw me, and I say Einstein too, I usually do Einstein later on in my shows. Mm -hmm. And when you first see me, I pair the music of the artist with the portrait. It's kind of an easy like, all right, guys, like, let me just, let's just get all on the same page. This is what's about to happen. And then we get, you know, further on, I sort of throw in some remixes and, just keep the audience guessing as long as possible. Eventually we get to, let's just say the fourth painting and uh, the audience is like, I got this figured out. I'm going to play the music. I know who it is. And then I don't, and they don't know what it is. And usually uh, spoiler alert, Einstein, I usually created upside down. And so I flipped that one over and there's like this universal reaction from the audience all at once. And it doesn't even matter anymore about the music or the portrait. It, what matters is the Einstein allowed us all to just get on the same page collectively in, in an aha moment together. And I think that there's a lot of, it's very rare for large audiences to have a, you know, an emotional connection all at once where you go from confusion to, uh, I don't know, to togetherness, if that's even a word or the best way to describe it. And so the Einstein has been, you know, an amazing conduit for bringing people and cultures uh, together as a portrait per se. That's another thing that really impressed me about you was that the fact that you can do it upside down. Explain to me if, and if you have any words to how, how do you do that? You just, Oh man, I've never seen anything like that in my life. What's that? How do you do that? Is there any way you can explain that upside down? It's yeah. Well, I should probably tell your listeners first that I'm not actually upside down, but the, no. <laughs> but the painting is the painting is being created upside down. So there was an exercise we learned early on. I remember learning it in uh, middle school, and it's to it's to help you draw better. And anyone can do this at home. Is uh, print out an image of a face or an animal, like whatever you're into, or even a a logo of your favorite team or even St. John's University logo, whatever mm-hmm. it is, turn it upside down and put a cross through it, like a, like kind of divide the page. So you almost like a grid and then have a blank paper next to you and then create that grid again. And then just draw shapes that are in each grid. Don't try to draw the dog. Don't try to draw the, the logo. Don't try to draw what you think you see. Just draw the lines and the shapes that you see. And the goal is that it all comes together when you flip it over as the image. And so I say that because I'm just creating blocks of color that are more complicated. And I leave blocks of black because I, I paint on a black canvas. And I leave these very complicated things behind. But uh, I know that if I put all these shapes together in this way, in this feel, when I turn it over, it's going to look and feel like Einstein. And it is, a pretty distinctive portrait as well. So there's a lot of, you know, color involved and shapes and shadow and light. 
but um, that's the best way I can describe it is, is it just um, it's a bunch of shapes that make up the person who it is. And hopefully it all comes together when I flip it over. It's incredible. You're one of a kind. And <laughs> Thank you. have you always painted as fast as you do? Um, no, I mean, I used to take a lot longer. I used to take like, you know, maybe like 10 minutes. 15 minutes. Oh, uh, no, no, no. When I first started painting live, mm-hmm. I would do my paintings over maybe 30 minutes to an hour. But even when, uh, but I'm thinking about this, when I was doing graffiti, I had to do a fast because we had to get out of there. It was, it was illegal. <laughs> and so I had to learn about how to layer colors early on when I was in, imagine like a six, I was in sixth grade in middle school doing graffiti. And, uh, I mean, you know, I remember like putting my, my layer of, of blue down and then I would have my highlights of blue, my shadows of blue, and black and white. And I would create this three dimensional figure of letters in, you know, minutes. Cause I just knew how to layer the colors. I think the only the hard part was waiting for it to dry. But, uh, but yeah, I would say that was, you know, early on with graffiti that taught me the original skills. And then eventually the more I practiced and rehearsed. And I would say that too, um, I think a lot of people probably assume that I go up there and I'm just like, ah, I'm going to wing it. Cause that sounds cool. It mm. sounds cool to be like, you're an artist just winging it. But to be honest, would you want kiss on stage? Just kind of winging it. Like, Hey, Hey guys, wait, what was the risk to that yeah. again? <laughs> you know, do you want, do you want them practicing in front of you while you paid hundreds of dollars for tickets? Probably not. Yeah, you want no. a show, you want a production. You, you came to be entertained. So I'm not going to go on stage and wing it because people think it's romantic to think about an artist should just be free. It's like, cool, do that alone in the studio for yourself. I'm here to entertain audiences with art. So I'm going to come prepared and, and do that on stage. So to do that, I, there's, you know, rehearsals involved. There's a lot of practicing and, you know, sometimes it requires doing a portrait, you know, over and over and over again until you get it right. So, Mm. um, Yes, sometimes it's the case. You mentioned earlier that you appeared and performed in the seventh season of America's Got Talent. What was that experience like for you? Uh, that was probably one of the most life-changing things for me, and not just because of uh, you know popularity and, and getting in front of more people, but because I had to become more than an artist at the time. You know, when they said, um, you only have 90 seconds to create these paintings on stage, I honestly I, I agreed, but I still didn't know how that could be done because it still had to look good mm. and I had to change it every, every uh, round if I were to, if I was going to go forward. So I, I brought on these four dancers to help me and you know, none of them had any pain experience, but I had to become a teacher and a leader and I had to give them guidance. So we had to, you know, really, really rehearse like we were a theater group, like we were a dance group. And, uh, it was just the most I had to grow in a short amount of time. And it was, it was a positive growth. It was very, very difficult and hard, but uh, we made it to the finals and I, I came in fourth place, lost to the dogs. Cool. You know, I'm not, it's, it's all good, but we were able to bring art to the masses, to pop culture. And it was because I had to be more than an artist and it wouldn't, have happened any other way if I was again just winging it and throwing some paint around and hoping something would happen. I really had to be um, 
a, a better leader to my team. And you sure did. You brought art to the center of attention there. This is why I want this to be my first show this semester. Make it different because I always usually yeah. interview hip hop artists, nineties hip hop artists, up and comers, sports players. I want to make the arts center of attention opening it up this semester because it's important to keep that going. There needs oh, to be a lot amazing. more appreciation. And I appreciate you uh doing that. You know, even uh giving the the airtime to uh to, to not only myself but also other artists out there that um, you know, that need a voice that really deserves a voice and, or even someone who's, you know, maybe going through a hard time, maybe they're studying art in college right now. And they're just like, damn, what did I sign up for? And, you know, I, I hope I can, we can encourage them to just to, to stay on the path and to mm -hmm. pursue it to the end. For sure. And you're definitely helping out the people who are listening, especially if they're artists. And I'll get into some, another question about that later. You're now on the opening tour act for kiss on their end of the road tour what has it been like opening up for which many consider kiss army the hottest band in the yeah. world yeah uh they well one when we first announced it uh a lot of people were confused and not too happy i would say people who already knew what i did were like yes finally the you know the world can see people who hadn't seen they were like what the F is this like, no, I uh, weird. This is their last tour and they're doing who. And so for me internally, I'm like, I'm thinking like, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Like maybe this isn't, I started doubting myself, even though kiss already believed in it and they were going to put me on. Uh, and we were only supposed to do 10 dates as well. Really? We were only supposed to do 10 of the opening dates. That was wow. it. That was my original agreement. I'm like, cool. I can, I can survive through that. Um, and then immediately, you know, we start doing the shows and little by little, you hear people that hadn't seen the show, you know, they comment on my stuff and they talk crap. And then you'd see, you'd see, I'd see comments from people who saw the show. They responded, hey, actually, you know what? You need to see this. And I would just let them speak for itself. And I would let my performance speak for itself. So it was very difficult at the, at the beginning. But I also, at some point, I was like, you know what? I'm here for a reason. And I'm going to own it. And I'm going to believe it. And, you know, after the, when the 10 shows got close to the end, I'm thinking, all right, maybe this is it. And, um, doc McGee, their manager mm -hmm. came to me and was like, Hey, so, uh, you're gonna do the rest of the shows, right? <laughs> I was like, I mean, if you want me to, I can move things around. And we ended up doing the whole first run, which was 44 dates across North America. And then we did Europe this summer. We're back in North America now. And, uh, I don't know what's next, but, uh, you know, again, just like AGT was a, like a magnifying glass on, okay, what are you made of? Like, what are you going to become with this pressure? Mm -hmm. And again, I've had to become a better artist, a better leader. I've had to become a better, you know, business person. And, um, I've had to become more shrewd and, and just become a lot more things that, as artists were uncomfortable doing naturally, but again, I want more. So I have to become more. And, uh, it's, it's been really incredible. The honestly, the best thing out of all this, I don't care what I've been through to, to be a part of this. And, you know, uh, is meeting the people after the shows and hearing them explain how you did to me 
Like, I didn't know what to think. And now I just want to watch more. And that's all I wanted. I just wanted to connect and make them feel something through a performance painting uh, experience. And, uh, and we've been doing that. So I'll, I'll, I'll go through it all again to, to experience the same thing. And it's, it's really a dream come true for you. And I wish you nothing much for the best in your future. And I know you're auctioning off your paintings at the concerts to make a wish. Do you want to tell us more about your charitable work? Yeah. So when this whole start thing started, the reason why uh, there isn't a band is because they really wanted something that was unique for their, their opening act. But they didn't want a band, but they also really wanted to raise money. So what I do, what I, I would specialize in is not only entertaining with art, but also raising a lot of money for charity. So I set a goal at 25 to raise a million dollars for charity by the time I turned 30, which we did. And then we've since raised over $5 million for various charities around the world. That's just like my own personal goal. Like that's beyond like just painting sales and shows. Like forget all that. That's just why I can wake up at, you know, in the morning and do a great job and, and, you know, and provide for my family. But, um, so that's what we did. They heard about that. And so, uh, we partnered with make a wish America on this run of the tour. And so the last painting of kiss is like a commemorative painting of them. Um, and inspired by the city that we're in. So you saw the one at Brooklyn. Mm, yeah. It was painted Brooklyn at the bottom. Yep. Yeah. We had the Brooklyn at the bottom. It was like a moment. It was like, we, we had the Brooklyn there and it, the place just erupted. And, but right after that, everyone in the audience was able to donate any amount from $10 on to thousands of dollars, whatever it is. And it entered them all to win. So it wasn't about the highest bidder. It was about everyone gets to take part. And then a random winner is chosen by prizeo.com. So they all went to prizeo.com forward slash kiss donated. And then we choose the winner, you know, maybe a half hour after the show starts. And before you know it, after the show we bring the painting the painting is signed by the band by the way so mm-hmm. every night i do the painting on stage it goes right backstage they all sign it and then we pick the winner we give it to them after the show in brooklyn the woman had flown from chile to see that show wow. and she went home with this huge like eight foot painting of kiss which is really so, really cool. Oh, a woman from chile won wow Yes. Yeah. I so all she did someone again, that's a native of Brooklyn or New York would have won. Wow. No, well, we don't choose it. So yeah, I mean, anyone, anyone can win if you donate it. And again, it's a pool of money that all goes and benefits make a wish America. So I've never really done this type of uh, auction system. It's usually to the highest bidder, uh, which limits a lot of people who are passionate about kiss per se. And um, it's not really silly about who has the most money, but, who just donates it all. So I really, you know, I really want to one thing, um, kiss for really creating the platform and the opportunity for this, but also prize.com for the, the system that we use to do the auction. And then again, um, you know, the kiss army has been very generous. We've raised, I could definitely comfortably say well over 120,000 so far through this system, uh, for make a wish. So, that's you know that's pretty incredible. We're, we still have a lot, a lot more shows to go. Yeah, you ended the the end of September, I believe, right? Yes, we uh, right now the scheduled date is September twentieth at uh, Staples Center. So right now we're on the East Coast, we're making our way west. Mm, wow! And you put on a show there as well as the band. 
But for all the Kiss fans out there, what are they like backstage? We see what they're like on stage. What are they like? I mean, you know, when I see them before the show, um, it's, it's if they're out of makeup, it's really quick. And they're like on their way somewhere. So it's a quick, you know, little word. But when I see them every night in you know full makeup, the full gear, mm. and they're signing the painting, like you can see them just getting like just ramped up. And they always ask, I swear. And I, I tell the audience this on stage. It's not a joke. They really ask me they're like, how are they? Like, what is it? Well, how are they out there? And I'm, uh, and I'll, I'll be honest. And I'm like, you know, I, I got them going as, as much as I could. Or, you know what? They didn't need me. Like they were already ready. And I'll tell them that. So just if you guys are listening, any KISS fans out there, if I'm opening, just know that when I go back, they're going to ask, and they just want to know if you're making noise. So it helps if you make some noise. But um, I'm trying to think, you know, there's just uh, there's, there's also, you know, there's a lot happening around them. There's, it's like, mm-hmm. a, like a KISS cloud. And so, you know, we just we pop in to do our stuff, and then we you don't want to ruin their flow. They just you let them go you know, hit the stage right after that. So, um, that's, it's all I can really say right now, but, mm. uh, yeah, but I would say they, they're also, they've all been like incredibly, you know, generous to like myself and my team and, uh, taking mm. care of us. So that's been great. Good. Good. I'm glad to hear that. And you know, it's an emotional journey for them as they come to an end and yeah. it's a, it was great to have you open it up for them, but is there any advice you can give to artists at St. John's University and even artists around the world what it takes to be a successful artist? Yeah. Uh, well, starting is the first part, and I can give the first piece of advice on where to start. I always recommend artists, the, the best place to start is to create what you're passionate about outside of art. So it, if that's music, if it's horses, if it's science, if it's history, create that. And then um, when you have this artwork that's very specific to a community, go to that community and you'll know where to go because you're already passionate about it. You already know what forums are talking about it because you're already on there. You already know what hashtags to follow because you already follow it or other accounts. And so go to those organizations, connect with them and connect your artwork, get your artwork plugged in with those communities first. Beyond that, I would say do everything for the long game. Like, mm. don't try to become this, and don't think, if you do, awesome. But don't think you're going to become this, like, art world darling right out the gate and, like, the world owes you this success. Just know that the world owes you nothing. Everything is earned. But all the success that you want could be very much attained. And it requires a lot of your, requires nothing but hard work. And so the, the continuous goal in the long game is matching up what you imagine at some point being the art darling of the art world or, uh, you know, being, you know, a, a digging your small community that you live in or even just at your college, whatever dreams that you have, just making sure that you match up your skill sets and what you have to learn to get there. Because if you're not there today, that means you don't know what you need to know to get there yet. So be open to learning all those things. And it may be you need to learn Photoshop to promote yourself, to create flyers because you can't afford a designer yet. Or maybe you need to pick up a new skill set in video or to, to take video of your work and put it on YouTube and so on. So match that work ethic and those skill sets. On the long run, 
with your what you've imagined for your life. And um, I know it sounds kind of may sound kind of like vague, but I mean that's really what I've tried to do over time, and and just stick to this thing for the long run. And your true inspiration to everyone around the world, especially the viewers, including myself around the world, is that there's people out there like you that just make masterpieces, entertain audiences. And what is next for you? After oh, man. The Kiss well, tour and everything and some of your goals. Yeah. Well, we were supposed to set out on my own small tour of the East and West Coast before this tour started or when it started. We had to cancel it all. So what we hope to do is to take my art life tour back uh, out on, on the road. So that'll be in um, venues that are, you know, 500 capacity type of uh, concert venues. And that show will be like an hour plus type of uh, headline show where you will get all these inventive uh, paintings and experiences. So imagine a mixture of like Blue Man Group and Andy Warhol mixed together. That's kind of like the, the style of experience of the show. Um, beyond that, uh, you know, we're going to continue to collaborate with brands to get not only our hopefully inspirational message out and, uh, the rest, you know, is to be dreamt of and worked for, but so definitely, you definitely will be hearing from me again. Oh, oh, for sure. And it, it was an honor having you call in here tonight. And then again, your website, people go check it out. Garibaldiarts.com and your Instagram, Garibaldi. Or what, what, shout out your Instagram. It's Garibaldi Arts, I believe. Oh, yes. Yeah, so across all platforms, it's Garibaldi Arts. Okay, yeah, I was right. I was just making sure. Garibaldi oh, Arts yeah, on all it. platforms, on Instagram, and Twitter, Facebook, all that too? Yes, and if you don't know how to spell my last name, just start typing in Google, and I promise it'll spell check because I even misspell sometimes. Right. So sound out Garibaldi Arts, and it'll, it'll pop up. G-A-R-I-B-A-L-D-I. Just for those who are listening right now. Yes. And I want to thank you again for calling in. It was an honor, David. And uh, we'd love to have you at St. John's University. I know I want to shout out to to Ashley. And I'm going to talk with the art department, actually, and they can handle your transportation at the station. I think it would be a great for the art students up here. And even a performance at Karnasek Arena for the basketball team. Maybe you can get them motivated so they don't, you know, stick up the courts this season. Yeah. For sure, yeah. I'm sure we can think of something. For sure. For sure. I'll, I'll be in touch with you, though. I'm going to be talking with the president of the school and the arts department. Yes. It's a great idea to get you up here. Awesome. I, I'd, be, I'd be honored to be there. For sure, David. And I want you to take care, all right? All right. Thank you so much. No doubt. Have a good night. All right. You too. Yep. Goodbye. Bye.